Well, good morning, everyone. We're uh, continuing our message series called Launch, which is basically it's a new year. Uh, let's get after the things that will really help us to grow and to change. Uh, it's easy to say that, and as that video just showed, uh, it gets messy when you deal with the different priorities in your life. Uh, we're going to dig into that uh, momentarily, but I wanted to give you an update on uh, Randy. Randy is our uh, senior pastor here at Church in the Valley, and he and his wife Cindy and Nathan and Tina Lewis are in India. Um, they left Wednesday, and it seemed like they got here or they got there like next week with the time change in travel. So I, I honestly don't know what day it is there, but they're there safely. And we wanted to give you this mission trip cell phone video update. You know, when you're on a mission trip, it's like, put that on video. All right. And you get your phone out and you get this like grainy on the field raw footage. So I wanted to show you guys, they have a little update to give you. Let's roll that. <laughs> Here we go. Good morning. We're in Delhi. It is 7.30 here, I believe. We've been on the plane, AM. We've been on the plane for 20 hours, and we're getting ready to go to Guwahati. We're looking forward to seeing what God's doing there, and looking forward to seeing Tim Shong and Working Law, and uh, just doing what we can to help out. Thanks for praying for us. Oh, yes. And thanks for praying for us. That's very important. Don't want to forget me. Ben's coaching me. Thank you. Raw mission trip footage. Straight from the field there. Um, they got there. That was Friday morning that you saw that. Uh, yesterday, they uh, had the, the chance to lead a conflict seminar. Do we have that picture? Can you see it? Front row, that's all of our crew. Behind them are all the people that attended uh, the seminar. And the seminar was yesterday, and it seemed to go well. It was helpful for the people in attendance. And today, um, which is now tomorrow, they, uh, I, I tried this in first service. It was like, tomorrow they're doing that, which is yesterday. Um, they went to two different churches just to uh, hang out with the people, uh, a couple of people on the team spoke the message at those churches. And then in the afternoon, they had the opportunity to give free counseling. Uh, Sally Minan from Fort Worth and Nathan from CIV um, have background in counseling. And so they're providing free counseling to families and churches, uh, really just to provide felt needs there. And um, I wanted to give you an opportunity. If you'd like to stay kind of up to date with what they're doing on this trip, uh, we created a blog that Randy is using. Uh, it's called CIV Wired dot wordpress.com civ wired one word dot wordpress one word dot com don't put one word in there first service i thought you know i should put that on the screen it's second service and i didn't so civ wired dot wordpress.com and you can see some updates and um randy's going to be posting some pictures and different things so you can uh, know what to pray for. His first post has some different things that you can be praying for. And I know that they would really uh, value uh, you guys doing that. So go to that website to kind of stay in tune with what's happening. I wanted to continue this morning, like I mentioned, on this idea of launch, launching into the new year. And two weeks ago, we talked about the importance of choosing to realign ourselves with the things that are important. And it starts with 
a relationship with God himself. And once you move from self-dependence and focusing on yourself alone, and you move to actually focusing on God through the spiritual disciplines when he transforms your life, once you make him the boss of your life, you actually can experience change as you pray, as you read the scriptures. And that was what we did two weeks ago. Last week, we had our membership celebration. And Randy kind of highlighted the things that I'm going to be talking about in this series, about the things that you can commit to and set goals for that can actually produce the change uh, in your life. So this morning, we're talking about this idea of regroup and the importance of connecting to a group of people. The importance of really moving from isolation or being alone or thinking that self-sufficiency is really the way to an easier life, moving from that to experiencing true life, true blessing in the midst of doing life with, with others. And a lot of times, especially people in my generation, this idea of community is so valued. Like, we just need community. And you ask people, and they don't have any idea what community is. Like, is community the number of friends on Facebook? In the social media world, community, it's like, is that community? How many of you, were like, you know, last night were on your front porch drinking lemonade with your neighbors? It's California. What are porches? It's like we, we don't, you know, we drive in, you, you, you have a button that you press that can open your garage door. You have a button that closes it, and then you go inside, and your neighbor's like, hey, and you're like, I see a button. Boo. You know, we, we've created a world where we can't actually be pretty isolated if we choose to. We can completely kind of separate ourselves from a group of people. And no matter what your experiences are, maybe that seems like that would be the best thing ever. If you're an introvert, like, if I could be alone the rest of my life, yes. If you're an extrovert, you're like, no, 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 against the wall. But what you find is none of us were designed to be alone. No matter what your temperament, you still need people. No matter your experiences, you still need people. You may have had bad experiences with your family or bad experiences in your relationships with those close to you where it's like, man, life with people is messy. Life with people just sucks the life right out of me. And we all have different experiences, some good, some bad. But as you dig into Scripture, you realize that this idea of community is actually something specific that God has given us. In fact, it was created by God himself. If you have your outline, I encourage you to follow along. But the first thing, as we deal with this idea of community, of regrouping, moving beyond ourselves to others, you find that we are formed, we are formed for God's family. Ephesians 2 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Paul, who we talked about two weeks ago, was this first century church starter. And he's starting these churches and people are coming to Christ. They're deciding to go his way instead of their own way. Deciding to make him the boss. And what's happening is people are Jews saying, yes, Jesus came for the Jews. And if you're Jewish, you're like, yes, this is what it's about. And then there were people that were Gentiles, people that weren't Jews, that were discovering this thing about Jesus and discovering Christianity. And, and what was happening was it was like, well... Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? And there was all sorts of division. And what Paul's doing in this verse is saying that when you come to Jesus, when you give your life to him, you are not a foreigner. You're not an alien. Don't you like that word? Alien. 
Not like spaceship green head. We know that. But you're, you belong. It's this idea of there's something bigger going on. If you commit your life to Christ, if you realign with him, you become a part of something bigger than yourselves. If you've ever been a foreigner, you know that that, that is no fun. You ever gone to a foreign country and it's like you get out of the airport and you just realize, oh, I don't, I don't quite belong here. Seventh grade, I experienced this. It's really bad when you don't, don't speak the language. But in my situation, seventh grade, I moved from England to America. And I thought, you know, it's just a little accent. I belong. No, I do not belong. There's rules I did not know about. See, in England, which you guys have heard this story if you were here a few years ago, I talked about in England, like, I had the coolest backpack ever. I'm not, I'm not going to bring it up because, you know, I've been that, down that road and I'm, I'm getting help. But United Colors of Benetton, it was like a multicolored backpack. It was like the coolest brand ever. In California, you do not wear that if you're a man. <laughs> if you have multicolored anything, you're a foreigner or an alien. So I discovered I, I, I need a new backpack. The other thing I realized is like in England, if you have hair, you, you just like let it go. There's not hair gel, hairspray. There might not even be brushes. You just let that thing go. And so I came to California with my United Colors of Benetton backpack with an afro, and I, I did not belong. And then I you know, went home, and I, I told my mom. I was at school, and I was like, this, I do not fit here. I, I, was, you know, I was in bad shape. You know, Mom, we've got to go to the store. I've got to get a Jansport backpack, preferably black. I need to get my hair cut right now. And then shoes, like shoes were high value. I, I, you know, in England, it was kind of like, you know, you put something on your feet. I had like Mary Janes. I discovered those are for girls in America. In England, like you, you just, you go with that, you know? So I had to get new shoes and it was like Michael Jordan pumps, you know? And it's like $200 for a pair of shoes. And I, I, you know, went to my mom and mom, Michael Jordan pumps, Voight, Walmart. That's, uh, you know, so I had to pump shoes, Voight. You ever heard of that? I had neither. And one pump worked, so I'm jumping higher when I leap off of one leg. Um, all that to say, I, I've experienced being a foreigner. And, you know, it's funny. Now. Back then it was tragic. But we all have a part of us, like, when we don't belong to something, when we're foreign, when we're an alien, that's not really what we esteem to be. Like, when I grow up, I want to not belong, you know, there's a part of us that, that we want to be a part of a group. We do want to be a part of people. And even our experiences, no matter how bad they may be, there's still a part of us that was made to do it, because that's how God made us. You see, in the very beginning, back to when God created man, he created Adam. And you guys have heard Adam and Eve, the first couple. Well, Adam was created, and no sin had entered the world. And he created everything. He created the night sky. He created the day. He created the universe the earth, the waters, and everything was good. He created Adam, and by himself, he said a key word phrase that he had never said before. And he said, that is not good. And he says, I need to make a helper suitable for you. So he saw Alan, Alan, <laughs> in England. You, you say Alan instead of Adam. It's, I didn't belong then, and... Um, Erase that part of the tape. Uh, Adam, Adam was all alone, and God saw that, and said, that's, that's, not, that's not what I want. That's not how I've created this to be. And so he, he 
caused him to fall in a deep sleep, pulled a rib out, made a woman, and, and then it was good. That's the value God has. Adam was all alone. He made Eve as a special helper. That's the first community. And then you read the Bible and you're like, well, yeah, first community. And then you, wow, it gets messy. Sin entered the world and just now you've got all relationships that are all messed up and dorked up. And people were burned in the Old Testament. People were burned in the New Testament. Like just the experiences. And you, you find time and time again Scripture talking about how we should treat each other. And when I'm talking about community, it's not just this thing that's free-flowing. We need help. We need help to experience it. We need help to treat each other right. But it is valued by God himself. And we need to work towards that. Moving from independence to a group of people that we can love and they can love us. So that's what we're talking about, this idea of regrouping. If you really want to change and get momentum in your life, it happens within a group of people, not solo. Here's the harsh reality, though. Because of our experiences, because of our independence, because of just the fact that we think life is easier by ourselves, doing what we want to do, we experience... Isolation. In fact, we settle for isolation and we experience the consequences. See, there's a part of us that we think, if I'm all alone, life actually would be pretty easy. When you're all alone, aren't your ideas fantastic? That was the greatest idea ever. That's because it was yours. This day's awesome. That's because you're the only one living it. There's a part of us that we're torn because it seems very appealing just to kind of be by ourselves. But there's actual consequences that we face. Let's, let's look through those. Uh, if, if you really are alone, you, you, you experience a loss of perspective. The lows in your life tend to be lower. It's all you know. It's all you can see at the moment. Oh, this is terrible. How am I going to get out of this? Nothing will change. I just did this again. Oh, and you're going lower and lower. Or the highs tend to be higher. That was the awesomest thing ever. I'm the greatest. When you have other people, you can't really get away with saying stuff like that. But the, the lows tend to be lower, the highs tend to be higher. Also, you experience a fear of, of intimacy. If you've never really had close friendships with people, you, you won't take risks. And if you don't take risks, you, you, you can't connect. And intimacy and friendship and a deep relationship with people, that, that's of high value. But if you're isolated, there's a fear there that you don't experience it. A selfishness. A disconnected people tend to be more selfish. And if you really just think about it, that makes the most sense. Because if it's only you, who are you thinking about? Yourself. If it's only you, you matter what you want to do the choices you make how you want to spend your money how you want to spend your time so it leads to selfishness. also which when i you know read this i've been reading some research on kind of community and things and there's a lot of research talking about poor health that people that are disconnected that are lonely by themselves over a period of time they actually have worse health a uh, a doctor dr chemeski said this he says, chronic loneliness experienced by millions, which is the truth. Millions of people are lonely all across the world, here in our cities, in our state, worldwide, completely alone. Chronic loneliness experienced by millions can actually be a health risk. The absence of friends 
is associated with higher instances of illness and a great likelihood for death. However, loving and living within a social network of friends and family improves your health and your chances of recovering from illness. This is the way I think of it. You ever been sick? And if you're sick, especially like with the flu, and you're kind of delirious, you haven't been outside in a few days, isn't life the worst then? Like where your perspective is completely off, like, I hate my life. No one loves me. And you're sick and you're out of it. And then someone comes and they like bring you food or they say, hey, what can I do to help you? And it just kind of warms your soul a little bit. You guys experience that? It's when you're out, you're just not feeling good. Someone helps you. It's true. There's a warmth that we experience that actually can help us get better. And that's what the research shows us. So a lot of times when we think about life and living it to the fullest, if it doesn't include others, it's not the way God intended life to be. We have to keep telling ourselves that because it seems like without people, it's so much easier. But with people, that's where real blessing, really that's where the fun is, accomplishing something together. So let's talk about that. How do we get back on track? The harsh reality is we have a tendency to kind of want to pull back. We have a tendency to want to just be alone. How do we get back on track? The first thing is we need encouragement to change. We need encouragement to change. Hebrews 10 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That idea of the day is talking about Jesus' return. The writer of Hebrews is saying, we don't know when he is coming back. Jesus died on the third day, was risen again, and then he ascended back into heaven. And then throughout Scripture, you see that Jesus is returning. And that's going to be the end of time, Jesus is returning. And the writer here is saying, we don't know how much time we have left. So let's not just look to our own interests and what we want to accomplish. Let's meet together regularly. Let's do life with one another to stir each other up. There's a part of when we're by ourselves, we're settled into what we want to do. We're settled into our own priorities, into our own goals. And then people enter our lives and it's stirred up. That's the picture. Your life should be stirred up. But isn't there a part of, well, I don't want to be stirred up. But that's where the life is. It launches us into love and good works. When we're by ourselves, we're inward focused. We're focused on our own goals. When we do life with others, we see the bigger picture. What I'm really talking about is those that have decided to follow Jesus Christ. They enter and they're adopted by him. You become a son and a daughter. When you commit your life to Christ, you are formed for God's family and he becomes your spiritual daddy. That's the reality of being a Christian. You have a new daddy, God the Father. But oftentimes we're, we don't quite understand that you're not into a family as an only child. You actually enter God's family as he is your daddy and you now are in a family of other people that have decided to follow him as well. These are your brothers and sisters. And the writer is saying that it's with doing life with your brothers and sisters, with other people, that you experience change, that you experience blessing, that you will not know by yourself. And the writer saying, do not give up that, as some are in the habit. 
We're all in the habit of wanting to move away from people, of turning inward. It's how, that's part of our selfishness. It's part of our sin. We're all in the habit of it. But let's not give up meeting together. Ecclesiastes 4 gives the same kind of flavor to this. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn. The idea of woe to the one that falls down. Other translations call that pity. What this verse is saying is pity the person who falls when life hits them and has no one to help them up. Pity the person who is experiencing trouble. The trouble smacks them down and they have no one to help them. Pity that person. And I know in my own life, when things are going bad, just, you know, conflict with people, just a loss of perspective, I'm just discouraged, I'm feeling down, feeling like, oh, I can't change, and you're just going over this, and you want to give up, and in your head, you know, we all experience this, these things in our head and in our heart where we're just discouraged and out of it. That's like when you're, you're, just, you're down on the bottom. Your, your knees are scuffed. You're just alone. But then somebody comes, and God works this out. This is the bigger picture. When you commit to him, God works it out where he actually uses his other sons and daughters to help the family. That, that is the beautiful picture of Christianity. You, you, you enter this family that is an extension of God himself. And it's messy at times. And there's dysfunction at times. But when you work at it, and when you work with people, your life has changed. And it's a beautiful thing. I want to invite Jeff Miller uh, to just give kind of a little story about his own life. Uh, Jeff's been at CIV a while. He's going to talk about that. And Jeff, there's, in, in church life, you have different things going on. In any, any ministry, you've got... You've got the big, the big stuff that happens, you know, like big church. If you've grown up in the church, this is big church. You know? You guys know what I'm talking about? Big church. If you're not growing up in the church, it just means this, Sunday morning, okay? And, and then you have small church. And one, one of the things that churches do is you've got to create a system where you have big church, which is all of us together here and now. And then you have to have something where people are actually getting outside of this big setting into rubbing shoulders with each other in a smaller setting. So here at CIV, we've had different groups in the past. One of the groups that we're uh, launching right now are growth groups. And so Jeff came into CIV and was sitting here and decided to, to launch into growth groups. So I, I want to just have him share a little bit about that experience. So Jeff, Jeff, this is Jeff Miller. Jeff, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I've been married to my wife, uh, Heather, for 10 years. I have uh, four children. I'm a teacher in the Braille Unified uh, School District. What are, the, uh, what are the ages of your kids? I teach junior high, so they're 12, 13, 14 years old. What about your own kids? Six, four, almost three, 11 months. So there's big church, and then you have a lot of kids, and that's a small group as well. <laughs> so wh- when did you start coming to, uh, to CIV, Jeff? Oh, 
my wife and I actually started attending around January of 09. Uh, CIV is at the end of a long list of churches that we looked at when we first moved into the area. Okay. And, so, and you, you were, you know, here in the services checking it out. What, what made you decide to plug into a smaller group? Shortly after we started attending, Heather uh, joined a growth group. And so uh, I, I wasn't at the time in a growth group. So when she would come home on Tuesday nights, she would share with me, you know, what happened in the group and the people that she was uh, connecting with, the relationships that she was starting to form with them. And I really liked that. I thought that was a, a really nice um, sort of, you know, benefit of going to growth group, was being able to find out more about the people that you go to church with. So kind of you saw what Heather is experiencing and you're thinking, well, I, I want that for myself. So you, you jumped in. And then what, what were kind of one or two benefits that you experienced once you decided to kind of take the risk and go into that, that smaller group? Yeah, I, I experienced the same thing. I mean, it was just the relationships that I was making with people in my group. I joined a men's group. So it was nice because the people in my group, they were of different ages. There's, you know, some younger than me, my age uh, and older. And so it was nice to gain perspective from people that are in different stages of their life and, and giving that feedback on, you know, what was going on as we were sharing. Okay, great. And a lot of times people are trying to figure out how, how does this fit into my life, you know, when you're, you're so busy and how, what made you decide to kind of take that, I'm going to take this step to do it? Yeah, well, a lot of it had to do with, I wanted to make the commitment because I saw how it, how it was affecting Heather. And so uh, when I made that commitment, I found that I was actually able to carve out the time. Once I made the commitment, it was, it was easy. I was looking forward to it, and it became a priority uh, while, the, while it was going on. And so I, I joined another one after. Well, great. Thanks, Jeff. Let me give Jeff a hand. Um, in, in first service, I, I told everyone I was going to, I'm just going to sit here, which is a little different. If I fall down, pick me up. Pity the one. It went better in first service completely. Was, that, was, that was terrible. Um, but as Jeff shared, the reason, you know, in church life we, we create opportunities like this, like growth groups or any type of smaller group, it's because when you're here in rows, you're, you're listening to someone talk. Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in Atlanta. He says, you know, circles are better than rows. And what he's saying is when you're in a row, you know, you're listening to a speaker. And, you know, it's, it's going in your ear and you're thinking about it. But when you're in circles, you're actually interacting with people. And you're talking about the things that are going on in your life. And you move from just this idea of rows where you're not really connecting, you're facing forward to circles where there's an opportunity to get to know people, to build some relationships. So at CIV, that's one of the ways that we get bigger and smaller at the same time. You offer these groups where people are able to grow and to connect. And if you're in challenge, it's the same thing. What groups are offered where you can connect with people? And this is, this is really where you experience so much help in your life. I can probably have people after people come up and say, you know, it was within a context of a smaller group that they really experienced help in their life. They experienced growth, maybe for the first time. Because there's something about when you sit in rows... You know, you're just sitting there. And you're just taking it in, and then you leave. But when you get to a group and it's interactive, people are discovering the real you, and you're discovering the real them. 
that's where you get the encouragement you need to change. So I encourage you to think about that yourself. What, what can I do to move from maybe some inward focus that you have? Maybe just some cushion that you have in your schedule where it's really kind of self-focused. How could you move and take a, take a risk? It will cost you time. I decided not to like mention or uh, call this message like give up your time. You know, you're like, yeah, I'll skip that Sunday. That's kind of what it is. To connect with a group of people, you have to be willing to give up your time and sacrifice. Sacrifice your life. I didn't want to call it that either. Say, oh, maybe next year. But we have to think like that because it, it will cost. But the benefit outweighs the cost. I've experienced that myself. Last thing, we need accountability to grow. We kind of know this in everyday life. You know, your boss gives you a deadline, your teacher gives you an assignment, and you know, you have every intention of doing it, but then someone asks you, you have that ready? Ready to turn in tomorrow? Yeah. Let me go back to my desk real quick, look at what I was supposed to do, and I'll have that right to you. You know, there's accountability that causes us to, oh yeah, I've got to get, you know, we, we know that in real life. The same is true in, in the Christian life. The same is true here. People... But what they say and what they do can challenge you, can encourage you. That's the accountability that that you can change, that provides the change to grow. Uh, Galatians 6, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ there he's talking about is the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. Uh, if anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. That's a just, you, you, have, you have to stop there. Again, that's kind of alluding to, if you think you are something when you're not, you're deceiving yourself. There's a part of this which is, if you think you're better than you are, you need people that will help you realize the truth that you're not. But it's also, if you think you're worse than you are, you need people that will help you realize that you're not. It's going back to the fact that alone, what you're experiencing makes complete sense, but it may not be true. Your idea of what's happening in your life may not be true. You need people that have walked with God longer than you have, that have experienced trouble, but the perseverance and seeing how God comes through, you need those stories in your life of others. That's what's going on in this Galatians passage. I want to give you a, a paraphrase from the message. The same, this is the same uh, passage of Scripture. It says this. Live creatively, friends. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. This idea of regrouping, you can see in the picture, it's stooping down. You're shoulder to shoulder with people. You're face to face with people. You're doing life with others. If you don't have a concept for that, 
I encourage you, in, in your world, the CIV, and you're kind of disconnected and not plugged in, sign up for a growth group. Try it out. If it's not for you, you don't have to go. If you're at Challenge and you've not really plugged in, try a group out. Wherever you are. Because if this is true, this is really where you experience the blessing of God. You experience the encouragement and the accountability to grow and to change. Then we have to experience it. We have to take a risk and we have to experience it. So I encourage you to do that. Proverbs 27, 17, a verse some of you may have heard before. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. A theologian was writing a commentary on this, and he says, Conversation promotes intelligence, which the face exhibits. This idea of, as you're engaging with others, and you're talking about stuff that really matters, it's intelligent, it's helpful. That's the way God's designed it. The face exhibiting the face of someone else. And talking about something that sharpens you. And you sharpen them. That, that's the picture. Regrouping together. To benefit your life and to really change the world around you. We do that together. Not by ourselves, we do it together. So there's some next steps. And these next steps are kind of related to where you are in your own life. And we do this every week. But one of the things that we need to do to change is, like Jeff said, you make a commitment. And from the commitment, that's where you grow. So these are kind of next steps, but you could also see them. These are maybe commitments that you could make. Uh, The band's going to be coming up, but I wanted to give these to you before we close. The first is join a growth group. If you're in challenge, join a small group at challenge. Make that decision. No matter what your schedule is, No matter how stressful your life is, make that decision to join it. Check it out. Second is, attend the CIV preview. If God, once you turn to him, is your father, and you become a part of this brother and sister family, you need to know what that family's like. And CIV preview is designed to give you that information. What are we about? Who are we? If you haven't RSVP'd, you can still come today, today at 1 o'clock. Third, be honest with someone about your life. Just be honest. What are you going through? Is there anything that you just need to share with someone? I I need prayer for this, or I need help with this. If you don't have anyone in your life that can do that, let us know, and we will get you connected. But be honest with someone. Attend the quiet time class. Um, Back to the realigning, committing to godliness. If you need help with what it means to grow spiritually, sign up to attend that class, and we want to help you do that. Then last, the big picture. For the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. If you've never done that, what I'm talking about, this idea of community, this idea of God the Father, if you're not sure that he's your Father and you've committed to follow him yet, I I encourage you to do that today. And we would love to help you with that. There's a few other things in your program that you can read about that we have coming up in church life. And we're going to receive the offering in a moment. And you can take that connection card and you can drop that in the offering as that comes by. Let's pray together. God, we we realize that you value community so much more than we do. Uh, It really is your idea. It comes from you. And I I just pray against uh, any misunderstanding or just the tendency for us to be alone and be isolated and to really 
value that among uh, more than others. God, you care about people. And you care about, really, your people coming together to accomplish your purposes in the world. Uh, we want to be a part of that. We don't want to be by ourselves trying to figure things out. So, God, I pray if there's any barrier that we have in our heart that's causing us to isolate ourselves, show us. Give us the strength to change. And God, we welcome you into our life to give input. For your Holy Spirit to lead us, for your scripture to challenge us. We invite you in in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.